0: Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes!
1: Yes! Yes! For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! I am the voice of the voiceless. Do I have everybody's attention now? Sorry about your damn luck. I deserve one
0: more match. It's gonna be the end of the world as you know it. Welcome back folks to WrestleRant Radio for September 2nd, 2014. I'm your host with the most Graham GS and Matthews, once again being joined by At Heal By Design on the Twitter. John Nichols, how's it going today, John? Uh,
1: I don't know why I'm always coming back here, man. I don't know.
0: Well, it's not two different sittings. I know I said September second, but we're sitting here from the same interview from last week, well, only actually a few hours later. We we didn't record this in the same night. We got some.
1: Uh, we got some good night night, and uh, now we're we're up in the morning, getting ready for this this part of the podcast.
0: Well rested, just. Minutes removed from watching the NWO portion of Legends of Wrestling on the WWE Network. Great episode. Highly re- recommend going to check it out.
1: Great stuff, and that Kevin Nash talks about a lot of the a lot of the stuff on the NWO they don't really get to hear in uh, normal documentaries and even on television.
0: Also, as well, yeah, the WWE Network overall great thing. We're not going to talk about it all that much, if at all, because we already talked about it an hour in length on the episode of WrestleRate Radio a couple of months ago, but. That being said, this will be the final time we have John on the podcast for quite a while, so we'll be going in-depth with a lot of our thoughts. Last time we talked, we talked about Bully Ray leaving TNA. We talked about SummerSlam. We talked about the current state of the WWE, that shitty episode of Raw from last week, Mm -hmm. and a lot more. Today is going to be a little bit different. I want to delve into Kurt Angle going back to the WWE, a topic that I know John really wants to talk about. We're going to be talking about uh, SmackDown going on Thursday nights, and maybe Impact going on Wednesday nights as well. The whole current landscape of wrestling on different nights and such. We're also going to be talking about the new nation of... Oh, actually, we already talked about that last week. Alberto um, Del Rio, the release mm-hmm. of that. Raymond Stadio. Raymond Stadio, the Monday Night War show, and much more. So let's kick it off with this, John. At Heel by Design on the Twitter for all the thoughts. I, we'll, we'll get that plug out of the way right now. We'll continue <laughs> to plug it over the course of the hour. But yes. at Heel by Design, you yes. can get all your thoughts on Raw, WWE, TNA, everything. I want to get your thoughts on this, John. Now, last week's episode of Raw, or this week, you know, from when we're taping this, was one of the worst episodes of Raw this year, if not the single worst episode in 2014. Now, usually with the case of those kind of shows that WWE likes to build up a terrible show only to deliver a shocking, amazing surprise at the end. And that's not always the case. Usually like at the Raw that we went to, they build up a great episode all night long. But sometimes they pull off like a huge surprise at the end of a show just to make it that mean that much more because the rest of the show sucked. So, that being said, last night we were hoping, not like realistically, but it would have been amazing had you hear Kurt Angle's music hit the arena, place goes crazy, and it sets up, you know, a Kurt Angle return of the WWE. How possible is that at this point in time? We don't know. I'm going to ask that right now. Kurt Angle's deal with TNA is set to expire next month. Actually, this month, we're going to record this in September. Uh, September twentieth or September twenty first, I think it is. Yeah. So uh, that's when Kurt Angle's deal with TNA comes to an end. Will he jump ship to the WWE? There have been some rumors that Vince does not want him back. Triple H says it's not his call anymore. It's still Vince's, or maybe it was the other way around. around. Triple H didn't want him back. Vince said it's not his call anymore. Sorry, I botched that. Mm -hmm. Well, that being said, though, John, your thoughts on Kurt Angle coming back to WWE? How realistic is it? Do you want to see him back? Do you think they will take him back, and why do you want to see the Olympic gold medalist back in his home, in his home of the WWE?
1: Now, put yourself in Anaheim, California, on August twenty fifth, two thousand fourteen. You've just witnessed one of the worst Raws in WWE history. All right, the match is closing, and this is all pure fantasy, folks. The match is closing. John Cena just uh buried the Wyatt family, as you've touted about. Um, Johnson Johnson just buried the Wyatt family next thing you know you're all right you're sitting in the nosebleeds. you're getting ready to pack up next thing you know you're dun, 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 oh my god the place would go crazy and not only would that, there you go thank you Graham. I appreciate it um not only would that improve the quality of the show it would it would turn the entire show around and I'm I'm in the uh, maybe the minority but I have the belief that if Kurt Angle were to come around, the whole dynamic of the fall programming w- would be drastically different for the better. Um, there's so many things that Kurt Angle could do if he were to come back. First of all, he, he would most likely be in an active position, an active role in ring. Uh, he probably wouldn't be working every TV or uh, every house show, but he would definitely um, be working in an active uh, role. So I I think that Kurt Angle can still go. It would be awesome to see him come back feud with guys like a returning Daniel Bryan, maybe uh, get a John Cena uh, program in there. And personally, this is just my my dream match would be to see Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE title, perhaps. So I just think that we've been we there's been such a long Kurt Angle drought in the WWE that he's probably one of the only guys I would like to see come back into the company at this point to work programs even just even just his presence in the show would enhance the quality of Monday night Raw Friday night Smackdown so I think that Kurt Angle coming back would only benefit the WWE now as far as Triple H not wanting Kurt Angle to come back I did read something that uh Kurt Angle went over Triple H's head to talk to Mr. McMahon and Triple H didn't really Appreciate that, that, yeah. because he felt as though Kurt Angle didn't really respect uh, his authority. How
0: true that is remains to be seen, but it is a rumor going on right now, yes. So,
1: uh, if that is the case, then it's going to be uh, a little harder to see Kurt Angle make his return on Monday Night Raw, but I just think that with the way things are looking, especially from last night, that a Kurt Angle return could only help us at this point in time.
0: So, someone brought this up in a comment thread that I was looking at, and it makes a lot of sense, and I'm a big RVD fan, but... How much sense do you think it makes to bring back RVD? And it's not like it's a TNA thing, because RVD was in TNA for a number of years as well. Maybe, I mean, if the rumors are true, the problem was with Triple H and him not wanting him back and such. But um, do you think the fact that Kurt Angle left WWE, not in controversial fashion, his deal expired and he jumped ship to TNA, and the fact that he... "Quote unquote," backstabbed the WWE in a way it wasn't like an outsider's kind of thing. It wasn't like a, in a Bret Hart way or an Ultimate Warrior way. It was completely different in that sense. Do you think Vince still has lingering feelings about Kurt Angle leaving WWE for TNA for many more years? And I mean, he's been in TNA longer than he was ever in the WWE. So do you still think that it still has an effect on Vince? Well, I, or Kurt, Triple H for that matter.
1: Kurt Angle was a top tier talent from the moment he walked into the WWE. Yep there there was there was never any doubt in. Creative's mind at the time that he was going to be a main event caliber superstar, and he was. He delivered in his matches. He was one of the most, one of the most, if not the most entertaining guy in the locker room. Consistently. Uh, oh, always. He was hilarious. He he put on great promos and everything, uh, and he just interacted with the fans very well. So if he uh, makes Mr. McMahon reminiscent of that time period at all, of course Mr. McMahon would want him back, and of course uh, Kurt Angle has been. Not watered down a little, but he, he's he's grown older and his his content, his, the product he brings to the table wouldn't it be as cutting edge as two thousand one, two thousand two. Oh, absolutely, Dan, but yeah. the guy can still go. He the can. guy the guy can still go with the best of them, and that's the thing. Even at his age, he can still you know he can still put on a thirty minute with Brock Lesnar. In my opinion, I would love to see that at some point. So I it's it's a for me. If I was Mr. McMahon, it wouldn't be a matter of if. But when? When is the right time to bring Kurt Angle back? And we discussed this on an earlier podcast. I can't. It's a young man's game in the WWE right now, so I can't really see a lot of old timers coming back at all. But Kurt Angle, I would love to see him come back. With Kurt Angle,
0: the thing is, and I have really enjoyed his matches with Bobby Roode last year over in TNA. He's had a lot of great matches in TNA over the course of his stint there. But the thing is with Kurt Angle, he's not an O two or O three Kurt Angle. We're looking at a completely different Kurt Angle. Is he watered down to the point of like Hulk Hogan, who we also talked about last week, having one more match, and that he's so beaten up with the broken neck and he's had so many injuries over the years that he can never wrestle again? I don't think that's the case whatsoever. The guy's 40-something years old. He's got a number of good matches left in him. Um, the only part that I disagree with is that you said, I don't know if you said on last week's show, or maybe we didn't say it on air, but maybe it was in the hashtag, I guess it was in the video, but in that Kurt Angle would work a Shawn Michaels schedule from like 2010, I think it's more of like, not even like a Batista or Jericho where where he's working the Raw and SmackDown sometimes, I think it's more of a schedule where they maybe not get one more match out of him, but maybe a couple more like big time matches, like a part time schedule pretty much, he can still appear on TV, that's not the problem, but he doesn't have to wrestle as much, especially since I think there was a big rumor going around maybe late last year, earlier this year, in that Kurt Angle would not pass a physical in the WWE given his current state. And all the DUIs that he's gotten and stuff like that, I don't know if they would even want him back. But if they, if he was able to come back and they didn't want him back, I think there's a lot of left money left on the table in that, like you said, with money matches. And that, that I personally want to see it with Brock Lesnar, but with Daniel Bryan as well, I would love to see. Cesaro, Dolph Ziggler even, CM Punk if that was a possibility at one point in time. I think there's a lot of money left to be made. With Kurt Angle in the WWE if they want to bring him back. Well,
1: just to go to your point, you uh, mentioned how Kurt Angle has um, had DUIs in the past, but he has mentioned on his Twitter he's very proud of the fact that he's been sober. For a number for, of years number, now, yes. Or, so that, that, I don't think that would uh, infringe on his uh, the possibility of him going back to the WWE. I don't yes. think that would be a problem.
0: I don't think so as well. I don't, it's not currently an issue. I think just the fact that it happened so many times when he was with TNA may serve as an issue because I know when he last he, he got his last UI last August, people were saying, "Oh, that there it goes for his you know WWE return." It's it's not happening. No chance of it happening now. And I don't think that's the case. I think a return is very much likely. And I, I want to see him in WWE, whatever role he has. Personally, I want to see him return as a competitor. Not an active competitor, but I don't want to see him come back as an NXT trainer or something like that. I want to see, like you said, have that reaction go off in where... Not Philadelphia next year. That's where, uh, that's where the Rumble was this past year. I think where is it next year? It's in uh, Pittsburgh. Or Pittsburgh was this past year. Where, where's Kurt Angle from? I think he's, he's sorry, from he's Pittsburgh. He's
1: from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay,
0: so Pittsburgh was this past year. Philly is this next year. Um, it's not exactly his hometown, but it's his home state. He would still get a big reaction if he were to come back to the WWE. I don't know if TNA has that 30-day, I'm sorry, 90-day no compete clause. I'm not exactly sure what the whole TNA deal is, but um, it would give him a, about a few months to recover, to you know, you know, hang home with his kids and his wife or something for the remainder of the year. If he were to come back for WrestleMania season early next year, and um, where he would land on the card, like we said before, a potential Hogan tag team match. Like I said last time when we talked, that's not something I necessarily want to see, but um, it is a possibility. Undertaker sting. Triple H, uh, Triple H Batista, or whatever is going to be happening, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. There's a lot of big time matches. I don't know where Kurt Angle would fit in that equation and stuff like that. So, with that being said, I still look forward to Kurt Angle coming back to WWE if it does indeed happen. If it doesn't, I think there's a lot of money left on the table with Kurt Angle. So, that being said, this wasn't on my potential list of topics that I read about it yesterday, but I want to talk about it. Um, I I just thought it, it just came to mind right now. Stone Cold Steve Austin said in a recent interview with PW Torch that he is—he didn't confirm or deny this, and that a return match, one last match for Stone Cold Steve Austin, WrestleMania 32, because it will be in, I don't know if it's going to be in Austin, Texas, but I do know that there have been talks about it happening in Texas, on um, his home state. Do you want to see one more match from Stone Cold Steve Austin, or do you think it's gotten to the point where it's been so long, we're, I'm not even saying where it's been so long where he won't make money for a return match in that um, what I'm saying is that it's been so long since he last wrestled that he might not have a great match as you would, as you would expect and might disappoint. Do you want to see one more match from the Texas Rattlesnake? Well,
1: last week we talked about Hogan having a return match and how much money that would make. You're telling me that if Steve Austin didn't lace up his boots again he wouldn't make as much money as Hogan? In my opinion, Austin would make more money, exponentially more money, than Hulk Hogan if you put his boots up, especially if you were in Texas for WrestleMania 32. So there are a lot of factors that um, depend on this scenario, like who is he going to be facing? (coughs) CM Punk. Um, Who... Who would be who, who would be his opponent? What would be the storyline? There are a lot of factors that have to go into this. But would I love to see Stone Cold Steve Austin lace him up one more time? Depends. It depends. Is he healthy? Will he be healthy after the match? Really, it's it's the memory and the memories and the nostalgic value of that is not greater than whether he can come out of it healthy or just as healthy as he did going into it I don't want to see him put any part of his life career on the line so if if it's too close to call as far as his ability to um, have a good match and stay uh, uninjured then I, I wouldn't advise he go in the ring. I think that he's done enough for the WWE Universe. He's really he's really given us great memories over the years. I, I really don't think he owes us anything more other than what he's currently giving us, and that's his occasional appearances. I think that he's doing fine with all that. But if he's determined and he really thinks he can get in there, have a good 20, maybe 15-minute match, and come out as, as healthy as he went in, then I would, I would love to see Stone Cold Steve Austin lace him up one more time. Do you think that it would tarnish the legacy if he came back for, you know, a
0: half-assed matchup and I don't think Stone Cold would ever do that thinking that I can only put half of my effort into this and I'll just come back for the payday. I don't think Austin is that person where he would do that. I think if he's not going to come back 100%, he's not 100%. He's 40 something years old. He's got a broken neck. He's had so many surgeries over the years in that. He's not going to come back. He's not going to come back 100%. He never will be. But he might come back to the point where he's strong enough to have a good match and if he doesn't believe he'll have a good match then re- he won't come back at all in terms of an in-ring role. Um, He said that before. Do you think it might tarnish the legacy of his last matchup with The Rock from WrestleMania 19, personally one of your rest- favorite WrestleManias in recent memory?
1: Well, how many times has the reputation of Paul Hogan been tarnished by things that he's done?
0: And shit and TNA well, and all well, like uh, that. Ric Flair as well. Nine, matter.
1: Ninety eight getting uh, a wrist lock applied on him by Jay Leno. I mean, that more than anything I feel uh, tarnishes your legacy. I think... Uh, like I said, if Stone Cold Steve Austin is healthy enough, I think that he, he, he himself would definitely have that standard, that standard of quality. Like, I have to go back and, and I have to be just as good as before I left. And that's all good and well, but I think from a fan's point of view, just seeing him in his ring gear, coming down to his entrance music, that would be all all the experience the WWE fan needed. So, of course, for Stone Cold, he's going to have his own um, standards, his own, his own uh, bar that he wants to achieve, um, but for the WWE fan's point of view, it'd really be all about going and seeing, or going and witnessing Stone Cold Steve Austin's final match ever. And, like I said, it all depends on whether he can remain healthy or not, but, um... I would love to see it.
0: And you mentioned before, under your breath is a little minor comment. Who would you like to see him come back at, I mean, fit into face, CM Punk or anyone else?
1: At this point, uh, if CM Punk ever decides to uh, wrestle again, CM Punk versus Uncle Steve Austin would be a great matchup. Um, I still think that uh, John Cena Uncle Steve Austin would be uh, quite the matchup. It would be, yes, um, I agree with
0: that. Icon versus Icon.
1: Uh, this would be a little more... Um, uh, it would be less likely to happen. It depends... How well his push and how well he continues to get over. we'll see Boston versus Dean Ambrose. Oh, that might ooh. that might be a good match because th- I, I like to parallel the Shield with um, stars from the Attitude Era, and that Seth Rollins is more of a Rock kind of uh, kind of uh, character. How he's flashier and yeah, and everyone remembers Survivor Series '98, how The Rock aligned himself with um, Corporation, Corporation, and uh, not an exact
0: parallel. What I, what I like close, about the Shield is that there's close. a lot of like Mixtures, you know yeah. what I was saying to you last time. Like Dean Ambrose is like a Stone Cold, Stone Steve, Cold Austin, Steve Austin, which is perfect. Brian Pillman, and maybe Jake the Snake Roberts. Someone said that final third person. I can't remember who it was. I thought it was perfect though. But absolutely, Brian Pillman, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I could definitely see yeah. that.
1: And then maybe if you want to parallel like Roman Reigns to a Triple H kind of guy, I see, I see. Okay, I see, I see, I see more
0: of a Rock and Roman than in Seth.
1: All right. Well, to me, it's just the, the fact that Seth was a uh, he was. He was a very athletic hit, A lot of potential in his um, faction, the Shield, and he broke away by joining up with the heel faction. The, the yeah, Heal I can see it. absolutely. As did the Rock in 1998, and um, I just see I, I see a lot of similarities in how you know the Rock was the Rock was always being referred to as like the flashy kind of superstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Seth Rollins, I think more than Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns, embodies that kind of a uh, superstar.
0: Yeah. And I, I also see that Jeff Hardy and Seth Rollins as well in terms of that flashy offense and just being... When he gets over, when he, when he eventually turns babyface, he's going to be big. And he already is big, but I think he's going to get that girl-women fan base behind him given his current look and whatnot, but absolutely. So going back to the topic at hand here, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Dean Ambrose, uh, potentially versus CM Punk if he ever was to come back. Anyone from the current landscape, say WrestleMania 32, say CM Punk is not back by that point in time, who would you book?
1: Um, to be honest, I would like to see John Cena. Okay, that's a Cena. money matchup. That's that a, that's is a money that's, matchup. That speaks I mean, dollars. You had, you had John Cena go over on The Rock, WrestleMania 29. Who would you want to see John Cena versus Stone Cold Steve Austin? I mean, yeah. it's just, it's not that John Cena needs that match. No, 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 no. It, not that Stone Cold Steve Austin needs that match. It's just, it, it's, it's a fantasy match. Yes. WrestleMania 18, WrestleMania 28, all over again. People would love to see, in my opinion... The biggest star from the Attitude Era. I know that uh, when Cena was feuding with The Rock, The Rock got a lot of those monikers, a lot of those titles as being the face of the Attitude Era. Yeah. And maybe we can talk about this uh, briefly. Um, But in my opinion, Stone Cold Steve Austin was the true face of the Attitude Era. If not, it was a um, co-ownership of the face of the Attitude Era between The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. But it would be the face of the company versus the former face of the company. The two uh, final pillars of the Mount Rushmore in the WWE... Uh, in terms of chronological order. So I think that uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin vs. John would be a money match. And can I bring this up to you? Cause it's Go right very, ahead. It's a very controversial topic, in my opinion. And uh, I've actually tweeted about this. And now, after watching a lot of WrestleMania rewinds on the WWE Network, watching a lot of docs about The Rock and uh, stuff of that nature, um, everyone, including the, uh, the Miz is who comes to my mind, Stephanie McMahon did it, uh, dropped it a couple times too, referred to The Rock as the biggest star of the Attitude Era, uh, just the face of the company yep. in the late 90s. And like I feel like they're really not doing Stone Cold Steve Austin justice, but then you have Mr. McMahon at the 2009 Hall of Fame saying Stone Cold Steve Austin is the greatest superstar of all time. So it's they're very inconsistent with their titles. Whatever's convenient for them. At the time. So if The Rock's going against Roman Reigns, it's the star of the Attitude Era versus the, the future star, of star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but if... So, coltsy course, has going versus John Cena. It's you know the, the real star of the Attitude versus yeah. the, the current star. So yep. it's 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 confusing to me how they they uh, they're not consistent with uh, who they're calling the face, the star, the mega star. And I really like once and for all to establish. Uh, we all know how big Hogan was in the Golden Era. We all know how big Bret Hart was in the New Generation. Shawn yep. Shawn Michaels kind of broke out from the New Generation into the Attitude Era. Gave the torch to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Steve Austin definitely handed him then to Brock Lesnar, who then left, and John Cena was given the ball then. Yep. Now, where where does The Rock fit into this? The Rock was a great star. Uh, Between Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, I thought The Rock was more entertaining. I thought The Rock was a completer package. I thought that between the two, uh, The Rock had more credentials, uh, more characteristics of a true WWE superstar. But... Stone Cold Steve Austin was persistent, determined, and they both wanted that number one spot. And now we really got to decide, and this might even be a longer process than I'm portraying right now, but we, re- you and I really have to decide, not not just for us, but for everyone, who is the true star of the Attitude Era? I mean, you got the the, the glory of the Attitude Era was that you had two guys captaining the ship of the WWE. Yep. Now, I think it's, that it's just a unique era in that if, uh, if in the golden era you had a star as big as Hulk Hogan, that him and Hogan would be the face of the attitude, uh, the face of the golden era. Yep. Um, it's just it's a it was a unique time period, but I think for once and for all we really need to establish who was the guy. And I would really like to get your thoughts on that.
0: We'll branch off from there in just a minute, but my thoughts on who was the real star of the attitude era, and it all goes back to that fantasy thing on who would be on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. We can go into an hour discussion on that. Everyone's been talking about it over these last couple of months. And who would take that place. If there were five guys, I would do Cena, Hogan, uh, Cena, Hogan, Austin, and Bruno, and Rock. If the five guys... I think Bruno needs to be on there too. I think he was the foundation of WWE earlier on. But, um, Austin and Rock were on that same level in the Attitude Era. Austin sold more merch. Who was more entertaining? I think The Rock in terms of mic skills and stuff like that. But Austin was in the wrestling world the face of the Attitude Era. Culturally, who was the bigger star? Obviously The Rock. I mean, if you go to anyone who is, who do you know from wrestling? People are either going to say Hulk Hogan or The Rock for the most part. So, um, I would have to go with Austin if we're talking about wrestling here. But, um, who's more well known? The Rock. But I mean,. Then again, you can have a fucking Jimmy Wang who goes on to have an all-star, A-plus uh, movie career. And in, in a WWE, he was nothing. You know what I mean? So it's really hard to say. But um, I would have to go with Stone Cold Steve Austin. But in that same note, I want to ask you this. And uh, you kind of mentioned it before, and I'm glad you really brought this up because it you know goes back to what I was going to say. And I, I, maybe I'm in the minority on this one. But do you wanna see a stone cold Steve Austin versus Rock Match four at WrestleMania thirty two?
1: To be honest, that's a that's a difficult question, and I think that some things are best left untampered with. Thank you. And that that trilogy is you're never gonna have something as beautiful, artistic, theatrical, you're never going to have something that great. Yep again in the WWE, and there's no reason to go back and at all tamper with the legacy of those two guys. That rivalry, in my opinion, you can go back and watch any of the WWE docs on the network and how they'll say that Austin McMahon's the greatest rivalry in WWE history. In my opinion, uh, Austin Rock's the greatest rivalry in WWE history, and I don't believe that there's any reason, at their current age, if they were... 10 years younger maybe go for it, but at their current age there's no reason to go back and tamper with that rivalry.
0: 11, 12, 13 years later, I don't think it's necessary. The matches would no, you know, be nowhere near what they were back in the day. I mean, Cena and Austin is different because it's something new, it's something fresh we haven't seen before. You can't compare it to what it used to be. But with Austin and Rock, it's a completely different nature and that Rock isn't what it used to be, and Austin is not what it used to be. So I think, like you said before, having that three-match series, having Austin win, Austin win, Rock win that last one, and the final words exchanged between the two on his way out, I thought were beautiful. You don't really need to tamper with that, as you said. So any more thoughts on the Austin Rock well, thing?
1: especially after WrestleMania 30, how these guys are just hugging in the ring. Just yeah. Be, but there's no heat for them. There, there would be no... There's really no reason. ...logical, um, no logical reason to do that, so...
0: I think the only reason why I could think why they would do it, not only because it's a money matchup, and that's just because it's a money matchup doesn't mean you should always do it. That's not always the case... But um, like a one more thing, we'll, you know, give it our last try, just one more time. But they did that at WrestleMania 19. That was their one more time, one last time. Rock needs to get this win. They both got wins over each other. There's really no reason for them to face off. So I really see no reason why they should face off. Maybe it's because we didn't grow up with the attitude there. Maybe that's why our our views are a bit different. Maybe the people that grew up there are more nostalgic part another Ross, a, a toward another Austin and Rock match. Maybe that's why they want to see another one, but I just personally don't, do not want to see that.
1: And you, you did, uh, with finality, confirm that Stone Cold, in your opinion, is the bigger star of the attitude here. Now, I know selling merch is a big credential in the WWE, but look at uh, in-ring and the, the overall resume of the two guys. Who won more world titles? I don't think winning more. Right, just, just humor me. The Rock. All right. Who won more matches at WrestleMania? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. I can't the, tell you off the top of my head. That would be The Rock. Okay. Uh, look at The Rock's WrestleMania resume. I've, and I've said this before. Hulk Hogan. Uh, so Stone Cold Steve Austin. John, John Cena. Cena. What more do you need? <coughs> I mean, that right there is, in of itself, just... The, probably the greatest WrestleMania resume out other than The Undertaker. <coughs> yeah, exactly. One, one of the greatest WrestleMania resume. Those... Uh, on your Mount Rushmore, those are three. Those are three and guys. He's beating not, them all. Uh, 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 un- unless you want Rock to go beat the shit out of Bruno San <laughs> there, there's no one left for him to beat. He's yeah. beat the top guys. Yep. Stone Stone Cold beat the Rock twice. He's never faced Hogan. And he's never faced Cena. In fact, he lost at WrestleMania 19. And then, and, and, like I, I know, I know. There's no way. There's no reason to go and look at their like their stats and things of that nature. But I just think that um, statistically, <laughs> I'm sorry about this. The, look over there. The, the Rock is the bigger star. The big. I, I'm a Rock guy. So I'm trying. To He's
0: wearing a Rock shirt as we as I'm we speak. I'm a Rock guy. Just bring it.
1: Just bring it. So I, I don't know. I think that it's a very. It's not. I don't think it's as easy as saying, "Oh well," the Stone Stone Cold. Uh, you know, brought a beer truck into the the raw arena and he drove a Zamboni and got arrested. Like I don't think it's as easy as doing. Oh, well Stone Coach bigger because he sold more merch. I think that you really have to dive deep into their their illustrious rivalry and and see who the bigger star was.
0: I think there's a big difference between the question we talked about this before. Who's the fate? Who was the face of the Attitude Era and who's the better overall performer, entertainer? It's like you said in the past, and I know you said this after watching the docs and whatnot, Rock could go as a babyface and a heel. Austin has always wanted to be heel, but that heel run in 2001 failed. He could only work as, a, as that rebellious babyface you know, from the Attitude Era. From that entire Attitude Era, he was a rebellious babyface, with the exception of his earlier on in his career, and he had to turn babyface after his you know, match with Bret Hart. So overall, I'm not going to see who the better performer is. I think you might say the Rock, and I might have to agree with that. But with that being said, I think the face of the editor would have to be Austin in terms of more involved and more top-tier storylines. And The Rock took over when Austin got injured. And like you you said this before as well, when Austin got injured, that kind of took away from his some of his time at the top and his feud with Mr. McMahon and whatnot. But Rock, um, you know, took the ball and ran with it from, what, 1999 and 2000 maybe? Uh, from when he, you know, when, when Stone Cold was still out of the equation. So absolutely, I would say... I still think that Austin is a bigger star, but overall better performer, like you said, with the titles wins and stuff like that, I might have to go with The Rock. So, any more thoughts on that before we move on? No, I'm good. From that point forward, we will go into... ah, We'll skip the Cesaro, Paul Heyman stuff right now. We can go back to that later if we still have time. But SmackDown, going to Thursday nights. Now, we've talked about this before last time when I was here for SummerSlam. We gave some opinions on this. Friday Night Smackdown is once again going to Thursday Night Smackdown. John, your thoughts?
1: Uh, Thursday Night Smackdown, I mean, it, it it does have the nostalgia factor from 1999-2004. Smackdown aired on Thursday night. Yep. And it was, in essence, a better show than what we have now. A better quality, better wrestling. And um, it would really, I think, um, revamp the image of Smackdown. I think it's a good move on their part. I was a little iffy on at first, considering I've... I've I've only known SmackDown to be a Friday night um, premiere, or a Friday night production. For
0: so the fa- last almost 10 years. Yeah,
1: so the fact that they're moving back to Thursdays is something that I've never witnessed. I'd really like to witness. It would bring the nostalgia factor in. And hopefully with the with the changing of dates, maybe they could revamp their product a little bit more, make it a little more interesting, not really just raw reruns. But I think that uh, the the move to Thursday night is, is gonna hopefully going to be a better business decision than staying on Friday nights.
0: So this is a question I was going to ask you at the start of this conversation. Do you think moving back to Thursday nights will revitalize the SmackDown brand? Because as you said before, it's in the home of Raw rematches for years now, ever since the death of the brand split. And as of, just as of last night on Raw, you know, from when we taped this, it was announced for this Friday SmackDown, it's going to be the Wyatt family versus Big Show and Mark Henry for the fifth fucking time in the last two weeks. So do you think SmackDown will get a rub out of going back to Thursday nights?
1: I'm hoping that. The fact that they're doing anything <clears> at <throat> all with SmackDown, yes. I think, is a telltale sign that they have plans for them. Yep. They have ideas in in progress to make their brand, a little, not, well, not their brand, but to make the SmackDown brand a little more entertaining, a little more appealing. Yep. And so um, I think that going to Thursdays is only beneficial to SmackDown. I think that say, no, nothing can be the same too long in life, like in wrestling, or in wrestling like in life. Uh, evolution change is not only really necessary, but it, it needs to. Ha- oh, it's necessary. <laughs> there you uh, go. I'm sorry. It's early, guys. It's early. I haven't had my coffee yet. It needs to happen. Uh, all change, all all evolutionary matters. So, um, if SmackDown were on Friday nights for the next you know decade, I mean, it, it would get a little stale, it would get a little boring.
0: It would, yes. Uh,
1: I'm not saying that the product is going to improve because they move to Thursday nights. No, 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 no. But just because they're they're changing the image a little bit, changing the environment, the atmosphere of SmackDown. I'm thinking that uh, change is coming, and I think, in my opinion, all change is good change.
0: I definitely agree with that. I told you this the last time we talked about it when I, when the news first broke on SmackDown going Thursday nights, but I think the biggest issue is not the night, and I, I do like the move to Thursdays, especially with Impact going to Wednesdays now. Um, I think the biggest <clears throat> the biggest issue with SmackDown is the fact that it's not live. I don't know if they can go live due to the budget cuts and stuff right now, <clears throat> the, the, the fact they're on a budget, I don't know if they can go live at the moment. They probably can't, but I think in the long scheme of things, I need—I think they need to go live in order to revitalize SmackDown, bring back some meaning to it, and all the spoilers. That's what people look up, and all that kind of stuff. I think it's something that needs to happen sooner rather than later. I know it's not going to happen right now or anytime in the near future, but when it is possible logistically from a financial standpoint, I think it needs to happen because right now it's just not working. SmackDown has been. The B Show forever. I think I, I think we can all agree on that, but it hasn't had that same meaning that it used to have back in even 08 even you know, or, or 09 or 2010 before the death of the brand split. So, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think I, we already talked about whether it will you know help the SmackDown brand going back to Thursdays? But do you think
1: going live for SmackDown is necessary? I mean, that would heavily increase the production value of Friday Night SmackDown. There's a lot more you have to do to a show when it's live. There's a lot of more hands you need on deck. Um, so, uh, the fact that SmackDown isn't live isn't necessarily a bad thing in my opinion. I mean, of course you have the spoiler effect um, with people uh, every Tuesday night saying on the internet what happened at the SmackDown tapings, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think that SmackDown serves; it serves well. As the B show, I don't, I don't necessarily want to see like the, how they did the brand split two thousand two. I don't necessarily want to see SmackDown competing with Raw. No, no, but no. I don't want to see SmackDown be Raw 2.0 Exactly. All
0: right, that, you got to find that, that 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 happy medium in where you can further storylines on SmackDown without repeating the same shit exactly. that we saw days earlier. on Because Raw. then
1: there's no point in tuning in. Because exactly, I, I that's what people.
0: Raw. Exactly, that's why a lot of people do not want SmackDown anymore. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing of no happening on that show. Yeah. I can't remember the last time they had a title change on SmackDown. Because it's always happened on Raw or at pay per
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So with that being said, I think the fact that... Going live on Thursdays is not at all possible, I don't think. Unfortunately. Um, I know they've gone live on Fridays before. That's why I want. I was fond of it on Fridays. I just wanted to see them go live on Fridays. Um, but with that being said, I think that if they wanted to have SmackDown go live, it would have to be on Tuesdays. And I don't really want to see that. Pay-per-view, a three-hour or four-hour pay-per-view. We're talking WrestleMania. Three-hour Monday Night Raw. And a two-hour SmackDown. It's too much, too soon. Way too much within the course of a three, two-day span. You know yeah, what I mean?
1: main event on Wednesdays. Main event on
0: Wednesdays. No, that that was also on Tuesday. or currently on Tuesdays. Okay. They would have to move that, but uh,
1: too NXT much. Thursdays, Superstars Thursdays. Yeah,
0: too much, too much. So I don't think they should go. That, I, that's why I don't think going live on a regular basis on Thursdays is possible, because I know... From what I've heard, Thursday is the only day that WWE talents have off from the road, I guess, because they have house shows on Wednesdays or Fridays and all, the, all over the weekend and stuff like that. So I don't think it's possible, unfortunately. But in my you know way of thinking, I think that'd be the best thing to do. Um, do you think the fact they're on Sci Fi hurts or helps SmackDown, um, or is it non-factor?
1: I, I wouldn't say it's a non-factor. I, I liked I when they first moved to uh, Sci Fi in two thousand and ten. I was uh, especially supportive of that move because I thought that their prior home um, was, wasn't doing them any favors. I remember I would I would record SmackDown and. They'd get, get a baseball game instead? A, a, a four, the last 45 minutes of a Yankee game would be on, and I, I would be missing. So I don't think they were doing SmackDown any favors prior to the move on sci fi. Yep. So um, I liked SmackDown on sci fi. I think it's a good home, really close to the USA network. Um, so I think that. Having SmackDown on Sci-Fi Raw in USA is a nice little it's a nice little cohesive unit right there. I like I like them on those two channels. So, um, but I don't I, I don't see SmackDown moving networks. I don't I, I think that I don't
0: think you can at this I point. Will, they sent a TV deal not too long ago. But
1: though. what I'm trying to say is, unfortunately, what what it's looking like is that SmackDown is going to do the same things we're getting just a, a day earlier. Exactly. I just
0: don't think going on Tuesdays is possible. Sci-Fi. Like you said, I don't think it's a non-factor. At one point, I wanted to see both Raw and SmackDown on the USA Network, because I know when SmackDown has gone live on the USA Network in the past, like commercial-free and stuff, they've gotten better ratings. But I know WWE doesn't want to have both of their shows on the same network. I don't know if that's even possible. Um, But even so, though, I think we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's not leaving Sci-Fi anytime soon. They signed a TV deal not too long ago, I think for the next three years or so. And I like the USA Network. I like that that being the home of Monday Night Run. I'm glad that didn't change earlier this year. Um, but yeah, that's SmackDown. Moving to Thursdays. our discussion on that. Next thing I know you really want to talk about, Alberto Del Rio's very shocking and controversial... I know they talk about that word. I know they use that word to describe John Cena, but this is a, a situation that needs that adjective. Controversial situation here surrounding Alberto Del Rio. His release from the WWE, the whole slapping of the social worker... We haven't really talked about this all that much since I last saw you. Um, but that being said, though, I want to get your thoughts. I won't really recap it. I think a lot of people already know what happens or what happened. Your thoughts?
1: Can we confirm that his actions were racially motivated? Were they? Were they not racially um, ignited? Were, were they were? Rio has confirmed that himself. So yes. So in that scenario, right there, I don't blame Alberto Rivera really for anything that he's done in the WWE. In fact, I think that. He at he brought a lot to the table. Um, he of course he he was he was floundering. He wasn't doing a lot, but I really appreciate Alberto Del as a wrestling hand. Yep. I thought he's always been a legitimate threat to any title in the WWE. Now uh, of course I'm not blind. I saw that Alberto Del was doing nothing as of late, but there there's the WWE is one big pendulum, and once it gets to the, all the way to the other side, it's it's due for a, a swing in the other direction. So I. I am not saying Bro W is gonna be the next WWE World Heavyweight champion. I'm just saying it's 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 nice to have a a former top guy, a legitimate not star, but a legitimate hand in the ring. To be able to, like, put over the Dean Ambroses, the Seth Rollins of the world. I mean, of course you have that in the form of other superstars like Kane and... Kofi S- Kingston. Kobe, of that nature. I, just, I always appreciated Alberto Del Rio's work ethic. I always thought he was a great hand yep. in the WWE universe, in the WWE ring. And um, am I going to miss him? I mean, I was never high in Alberto Del Rio. When I first saw his uh, vignettes in 2010... I was bored out I, of my mind. I didn't appreciate him. I didn't really like him that much. But, to be honest, he just... He represents, um, it's really what he represents that is special to me, because he represents a time period in which I was a huge fan. I I still am a huge fan, but when I was especially a huge fan of the company, and that uh, coming off of CM Punk's uh, Best in the World run, he was his main adversary at the time, other than John Cena. Those three really had a special program they were running in that summer, into that fall of 2011. And and really, I just know how much potential he has, as a heel, he even proved his chops as a babyface early in 2013. So, um, of course, um, I'm saddened that he's gone, but uh, I don't think it's going to be a huge factor. He uh, he wasn't doing a lot with the company as it is. He was uh, he was always on Superstars, um, just putting over talent or getting put over. So, uh, I think that it won't affect the landscape of the WWE, his absence, but I am going to miss him. So, here's
0: the thing with the release itself. We talked about this before. And I don't want to go in-depth with this, because I've talked about this here on the show before, in that the fact that he slapped the social worker, whatever, I, I'm pretty sure it was, I mean, I think even he has confirmed that, like you said before, it was a racial thing, I don't blame him, in any situation, I would not blame him, but the fact that he was released does not surprise me, um, from what I've heard, he slapped the guy pretty forcefully, but any physical interaction with this guy, I don't think was necessary. Was he in the right to do it? yes. His motives were there. But with that being said, though, you can't put your hand on somebody like that. You know what I mean? Like, who did you mention? You
1: mentioned... I I brought up the point. I was just about to bring it up again. Montreal, 1997, Survivor Series. Bret Hart gets screwed out of the WWE Championship. Yes. He goes backstage, punches, not a social worker, but the CEO of the company, Mr. McMahon... He punches Mr. McMahon in the head, gives him a concussion, and then what? Nine years later, is brought back to do a Hall of Fame run. Uh, Fourteen years after that, he's doing a. Uh, he's at WrestleMania, working against Mr. McMahon. So I think, and that that's less of a, in my opinion, that's less of a of a crime than a racial slur, a racial um, in, innuendo. Yes. Um. So the fact that Bret Hart can punch Mr. McMahon go off to WCW and come back in good graces and everything. I know Bret Hart had a seizure and everything. That's really how they uh, Mr. McMahon and him kind of reunited. But I just think that Alberto Del Rio getting getting a racial slur thrown at him, or a racial innuendo, and then him really defending, like, well, you're not supposed to say that. I think that's less of a charge than Bret Hart punching the, the, uh, the, head, boss. Of the, com- the head of the company. So yeah. I, I don't blame Alberto Del Rio. I think he was he was in the right to be offended... Um, but I don't think that just putting your hands on someone, I know it's uncalled for in the, in the work environment, but given the scenario, I think that an investigation should have taken place. I feel like they, they just let him go too soon. And honestly, I know his contract was, uh, was coming up. He was looking to leave the company anyway, and that was probably more of a reason why they just decided to let him go. But I think that for, for dignity's sake and. So that doesn't happen again. You really need to do an investigation. Just kind of, like, dive further into the details. And yeah. Like I said, if Bret Hart can punch Mr. McMahon, Alberto Del Rio doesn't need to get fired for slapping... Uh, what, who, what was it, a social worker, you said?
0: Yeah, not... So- social worker. So you're so, you're so, saying, so, 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 did I say social worker? that all the time. Social worker. I'm sorry, social media worker hey, yeah, is what I meant to social say. Social
1: media
0: worker. So here, here's the thing with this, okay? And I know he was on his way out anyway. And I understand the along, double
1: st- along with Bret Hart. That's why the situations are they're uh, similar.
0: Yes, and I I do see the double standard in that. But it's not like Bret Hart punched the face the the face of the company, the boss of the company, and was kept around. He was he he was out of the company anyway, so he really had nothing to lose at that point. And it would be different if Del Rio. If we're talking this ten fifteen years down the line, and Del Rio was never brought back for anything, that's completely different. Because from what I heard just recently. Del Rio did an interview down in Mexico saying that um, Triple H, or I think it might have been Vince. No, I think it was Triple H who called him and told him that he was done. I think No, actually, Vince initially called him and told him that what you did was wrong. We're going to suspend you, which would have been right, which is fine. And then the firing, like you said, was a little too soon. It was like the day after it happened. I think it was a little too premature to do. Um, but I think Triple H called him and said, we're going to have to let you go, but we will bring you back after this whole thing, you know, winds down. Which is exactly what happened with Daniel Bryan. Remember a couple of years ago? Um, not as controversial. It was a little less, you know, uh, you know, wrong, I guess, of him to do whatever. Um, but they did end up bringing Daniel Bryan back. and I think they could have brought back Del Rio. Del Rio himself has said, I don't want to wrestle in the U.S. ever again. I'm not coming back. I don't care to come back and I don't blame him. Um, good for him. If anything, I'm happy for him. I think this whole thing was kind of a weird um, blessing in, in disguise, so to speak in that he was on his way out anyway, like you said. Um, had he let his contract expire and just left, I don't think he would have been worth as much. Which is funny because there's so much controversy surrounding him right now. I think Mexico that much more wants to get their hands on Del Rio. He's a hot commodity right now. And if he had just let his contract expire after jobbing to Sin on Superstars last year, no one would have wanted him. He would have still gone back to Mexico, but he would not have been as popular as he is right now. He's happier. He got out sooner. Like you said, I don't think they were going to push him. I think they were just they knew that he was his time was up. They knew that he was done and that they weren't going to do anything with him until his contract expired. So if anything, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Was it right for them to fire him the way they did? No. Like you said, I think they could have either suspended him or waited, did an in- investigation. Um, so absolutely, I think it was wrong for them to fire him. They could have done it differently, but I think it all worked out in the end. But with that being said, and I'll get to your point in just a second. I just want to mention this real quick. Night of Champions 2011, I've talked about this here on the show before, I was texting you during that show, this is where they went wrong with Del Rio, I know this is off on a tangent from what we're talking about here, but with Del Rio, Night of Champions 2011, they had his WWE title ring come to an end at John Cena a month in, and even I, you were texting me, you had a friend that worked at WWE at the time, and you were texting me, Cena's winning the belt, and I'm like, no freaking way is he winning the belt, absolutely not, they're not going to do that, wins via an SDF, it's over, the reign is over, Del Rio I don't think has been the same since. So, John,
1: go oh, right ahead. I, I just want, I want... Your rebuttal, and sir. everything you wanted to say, I just wanted to counter it. Really. Go right ahead. And this is, a, this is going to be a very controversial question. I'd like to see how you field it.
0: Okay.
1: Has Alberto Del Rio, Alberto El Patron...
0: Has, El Patron, yeah.
1: Has he put forth a Hall of Fame career in his tenure with the WWE?
0: He was there for four years, and it's really how you... We talked about this, too. He was there
1: there the same length as a lot of Hall of Famers. Like Like Stone Cold, Steve
0: Austin, and The Rock, for one thing. Uh, Maybe not a little bit less, even so. You know what I
1: mean.
0: Same period, uh, yeah, same window of time. Um, We talked about this a a couple of years ago, a couple of days ago, when I was here for SummerSlam, in that there's so many Hall of Fame careers right now. Randy Orton, John Cena. I would even throw Christian in there, for God's sakes. How many top guys do we have right now that could be potential Hall of Famers? Even the frickin' mids you can throw in there with the career that he's had over the last ten years. Um, you know, with all the people that we have in there currently. It really starts to get in the gray area of who's really worthy of a Hall of Fame big show, as we've said before. So, it's really hard to say. Dorio it's a very good question. I know you can say, "Well, Coco Bewares in there," so automatically Del Abdul, Abdul the
1: butchers in there.
0: Abdul the Butcher. But I mean, Burn if
1: that—if
0: we're gonna go with that, then everybody, you know, current like Dolph Ziggler, you know what I mean? Because titles are they, they, they were so far and few between back in the day. It's really different because now, how many titles does Kofi Kingston? Does he deserve a Hall of Fame spot? Maybe. I'm not going to say no. Some people have said Santino with all the titles that he won. Has he made that big of an impact where he deserves to go in next year? I don't think so, personally. I think it's a bit of a joke. But um, it's WWE Hall of Fame. It's all politics, anyway. It's not really. It's, like, legitimate. As the pro wrestling Hall of Fame that we went to in Amsterdam, New York, go there, cheap plug. (laughs) But um, great question. Does Del Rio deserve to go in the WWE Hall of Fame? As it stands right now, I would say no. I know he's a four-time world champion, but I don't think that makes him a bona fide Hall of Famer.
1: Our, our controversy right here is I would say he, he is a Hall of Famer. He's Adding a, in his Money in the Bank win, in,
0: Royal Rumble. Royal
1: Rumble. Uh, clearly, uh, CM Punk uh, took it from him. He was clearly the superstar of 2011. Clearly. And I think that... Overall. Overall. I think that he has put together a Hall of Fame resume, in my opinion. Um, there are people in the Hall of Fame for less. Not, not territorial guys. WWE superstars in the Hall of Fame for less. I mean, if you look at Ramon, he was never a world champion. He was he was a four-time Intercontinental champion, and if you if you wanna if you a lot of people and he wasn't even inducted as Scott Hall. He was inducted as Ramon, so you can't even put his WCW tenure as a part of his credentials. There yeah, were, exactly. There's only Ramon. Yeah. There are people in the Hall of Fame for less, and I'm not saying anyone who wins three world championships should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm saying that at one time, Alberto Del Rio was the top heel of the company. They gave him the ball uh, following SummerSlam 2011. All right? He didn't exactly run with it, considering he the, he was stripped of the strap uh, a couple weeks later. Um, but I think that, honestly, he's put together a type of resume that people in the early 90s, mid-90s, only wish they could have assembled. I think that with his Royal Rumble victory his Money in the Bank victory, just his legacy in general, in my opinion, is Hall of Fame worthy.
0: I think it all comes down to, I know he's had a lot of success over the years, but he never really had that big of an impact where years down the line you're going to remember Del Rio as being one of the biggest faces in modern memory, in that he was only on top for about a year. He was with the company on the main roster for about four, but really as a, you know, even last year, 2013, the guy was an afterthought as world champion, the babyface thing did not work out too, too well. He wasn't around for long. That flopped. But,
1: Graham, I don't like that argument because when I look back into the 1960s, I don't think of Antonio Inoki. But he he made an impact, though. But with the WWE. And and this is where it gets controversial. He made an impact. Okay, okay. And and you just made the argument when you look back, you're not going to think about Birdo Rio's face. When I look back, I don't think of Antonio Inoki's face. I don't. don't, uh, Carlos Colon... That's
0: exactly I mean, it. WWE that, is very convenient. We talk about this yeah. word convenient a lot this episode, in that it's whatever's convenient for them. Whatever it's a WWE Hall of Fame, but like Inoki, Abdul the Butcher, who you know has has had success outside of WWE in wrestling, but in WWE he's not really worthy. Carlos he, Colon, you know, what never, what I mean? was,
1: Abdul the Butcher was never a WWE Superstar not, at no point in his
0: career. WWE likes to mention when they inducted Carlos Colon, in and that he was the founder of the. World Wrestling of Puerto Rico, whatever, yeah, WWC. The,
1: the promotion down there. The
0: council, the World Wrestling Council, or whatever it's called. WWE doesn't even own that territory. So, you know, they, they say that he's found success in, you know, finding that company, that territory, but it has nothing to do with WWE. And he's had success in wrestling, but WWE wise, does not deserve to go
1: in. So, if guys like that can get in the Hall of Fame. Alberto Del Rio has a Hall of Fame career. No, I'm okay, sorry. and I do see your point. How well, if Alberto Del Rio has a Hall of Fame career, then so does Christian. So do all these. So does Kofi Kingston. He's, yeah, Ziegler's a two-time world champ. He's a Hall of Fame. Like I, I understand that it, it gets a little it gets a little weird, it gets a little gray there because that like when when it was first when the Hall of Fame was first conceptualized for Andre the Giant, it was either if you were a top star, if you made a huge impact, you were in. Alright, but now it's gotten to the point well
0: there were so few top guys in the nineteen eighties and nineteen seventies even for that matter, that there was really no one that you can induct.
1: I'm just thinking if Razor Ramon who had don't get me wrong, had a huge impact. Yeah, we're impact, getting to
0: that nineties era right if, now. If
1: Razor Ramon had a huge impact in the WWE, I I would say I would contest that Del Rio had a better career than Razor Ramon. And that I, that's gonna get me a lot of heat. But uh Ramon
0: had no, yes, Del Rio had more success. Found more success. But Ramon when, had a what, bigger impact. Wasn't match. as
1: over, and can you elaborate on that? Just, just solely, Razor Ramon? Just solely because he was over with the fans, he had a bigger impact?
0: No, 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 the fact that he complete, competed in the first ever ladder match from 1990, in the, during the 1990s, I think the he first was...
1: ladder match at WrestleMania.
0: Yes. No, yeah, not the first ever ladder match, but I'm saying that I think he's a much more memorable character. When you think of the 1990s, he's one of those characters from the 90s that helped legitimize also the Intercontinental Championship.
1: But, Grant, that's the argument that I was just contesting. If he was one of the legitimate characters of the 1990s, well, then like when, I, when you look back in the 1990s, the, the new generation, name, the, name three stars off the top of your head from the new generation:
0: Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Diesel, Razor Ramon. Razor
1: Ramon, he's in your top four or five, right? Yeah. All right. When I look and this and this is just my argument. When You're I look, a zone look, even. Sure. When I look back on the, give me give me a an obscure Hall of Famer. Uh, when I look back in the 1970s, Abdul the Butcher isn't even in my top ten of people that I think of when I think of the the television era. Yeah. Do, maybe maybe if you you uh, scale it down to one territory like WCCW, maybe Abdul the Butcher is in the top ten there. Yeah. Um. But as far as pro-wrestling in a decade, like all pro-wrestling put into the 1970s, Abdullah Google Butcher isn't even close to where I would rank my top ten. So in that case, you can't say, well, this guy had a big impact because he's one of the faces of that decade. Because Abdullah Butcher, to me, in my opinion, it might differ with someone else, isn't the face of the 1970s, 60s, 80s, any... Uh, no, no,
0: I understand that. I understand the whole Abdullah thing. I'm talking about Razor Ramon, though. But... I'm legitimizing but I'm, his whole so, I'm, I'm trying to career. say that
1: that argument isn't valid, and that, oh, well, Razor Ramon... No, it doesn't
0: apply to every. Like, Coco Beware, does he really stand out as one of the biggest characters exactly. of the 1990s? So if...
1: if- so you can't really say, "Well, Razor Ramon was so over." He no, no, so I'm just over. saying, yeah, because I, yeah. I remember uh, Hornswoggle a hell of a lot. He was <laughs> Hornswoggle was on more TV than you know, legit than Lex Luger has been. I, I I would like someone to study that actually. Who is on more Raw, is Hornswoggle or Lex? Luger? <laughs> I would like someone to study that. Well, H- Hornswoggle has had more longevity than half the guys exactly, in the of thing. Exactly. So I remember Hornswoggle. I've been watching since 2006. I remember Hornswoggle. From 2006, you still see him on TV now sometimes. He's been the face of midget wrestling for, <laughs> okay. for who knows how long. And it's just like, well, if I remember his face, that doesn't make him a bona fide star. That doesn't make him Hall of Fame worthy. <laughs> I'm not saying Hornswoggle can never remember to the Hall of Fame because at some point he probably will because it's the WWE. But, uh, Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't like that argument that, oh, just because they were over and well-remembered, they're Hall of Famers.
0: It really stands on a personal basis for everybody. Because all it comes down to is just... All it really comes down to is all the politics. If we're talking WWE Hall of Fame... If we're talking legitimate Hall of Fame... Like in the Hall of Fame that we went to in Amsterdam, New York... That is a real Hall of Fame where they you know, base it off of something. People vote. Like, peers. Peers vote on who should go in the Hall of Fame. Which is why Macho Man Randy Savage won in like 2009. Jackson, even Jackson would say, Well, why isn't The Ultimate Warrior even in yet? Because I don't think... Yes, he made a big impact for that, like, few years that he was there, but in the overall span of things, I don't think he made that huge of an impact in the world of wrestling, for WWE even. I'm speaking as a big Warrior fan and that even for WWE he had a big impact, but overall wrestling, not really. And that's why he hasn't been inducted yet. Maybe when they get to, you know, the people when they're still scraping for more people to go in, maybe. But that's exactly why. So I absolutely agree with that sentiment. But for the WWE Hall of Fame, it's really all personal because it's not really legitimate. I would say the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, if we were discussing that, then yes. But it really all comes down to that specifically. So the final few minutes we have left, I want to talk about this real quick. Um, Rey Mysterio's departure. A few minutes before we get into the superstars of each era. Rey Mysterio, do you think you should have one more match before he leaves the WWE Um,
1: Personally, Personally, I think that Rey Mysterio has 100% uh, done it all in his career. I think that he's literally squeezed everything he can out of his career. He, he's provided a lot of memories. He's probably Even if he's gone, he'll probably still sell merch. I mean, he's, he's one of the... He'll be one of the more remembered superstars of all time. Absolutely, he's yeah. The, the, the biggest little man ever. So I think that uh, Rey Mysterio's legacy would not be hurt, would not be tarnished if he just hung it up right now. I think that... His previous stints after coming back after injuries and time off. I mean, forgettable. Very forgettable. I mean, he's been coming back and teaming with Big Show and just not, not not, doing what we all love to see Rey Mysterio do. And I think that coming back would probably further detract us from his... Devalue, yeah. Devalue his legacy. Yes.
0: So, so I think it's funny because I think it was, it was here when I watched this with you. The last memorable match that I can remember uh, Rey Mysterio having. In this household, we watched t- together him versus Alberto Del Rio for the WWE Championship. The night he got injured again, he hasn't been the same since. And it's, that was three years ago. The guy hasn't done anything of note since. I know he's trying to get out of his contract and go to AAA, Triple A with Rey, uh, Rey Mysterio with Alberto Del Rio. So I'm perfectly fine with that. My only gripe with with Rey Mysterio sticking around was that I wanted to see him versus Sin Cara, aka Mystico, one more or one time before he retired. That's not a possibility anymore because Mystico's gone. It's Hunico now. Not that a, a, a appealing of a matchup. It doesn't have that marquee value that it would have a couple of years ago when Sin Cara first came into the WWE. Nowadays, Sin Cara's a joke. Rey Mysterio's not even on TV. How he's still selling matches is beyond me. But anyway, um, those are my thoughts on Rey Mysterio leaving the WWE. Let's get into this real quick. All Let's right. run it down. Let's the superstars of not era of every era of, of every, every year, year. And can I the tell? the last thirty years. Can I
1: tell the fans how I came across this? I tweeted. Go ahead. I after Brock Lesnar uh, defeated John Cena in convincing fashion, as Michael Cole said at SummerSlam, I thought, wow, he he broke The Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania earlier this year, and he just beat John Cena for his fourth World Championship. This is Brock. Lesnar's year, and then I sent out a tweet to all my followers. I said, "1998 was Stone Cold's year, 2011 was CM Punk's year. Well, 2014 is 100% Brock Lesnar's year. All right." And so then, me and Graham kind of recreationally went down the list of years since 1985 and kind of thought, "Well, who owns that year? Who can be credited with?" Not not being the breakout star, but really finding the most success and finding the most heat and being the most beloved or most, even most hated by the fans. And so we kind of did that. We're going to run it down real quick because it's an enjoyable, little fun, little kind of uh, expositional piece. So without further ado, we'll go year by year and maybe a little explanation after each one.
0: And a good talking point as well for a number of fans and whether it can be debatable as well. So we'll start um, from the 1985 and work our way up to now. All right.
1: 1985, uh, I believe we did have Hulk Hogan. Did we have Hulk Hogan? Oh, you said Roddy Piper. I was, uh, I was the, we right already, off the bat, started, we don't even remember. Started off on a bad note. Uh, I <laughs> I was going to contest, since Hogan had so many years in the last half of 1985, or the last half of the 1980s, I was going to give 1985 to Roddy Piper since he was the most overheel in the company ever. Because when you go back prior to 1985, before the WrestleMania boom, who was the most overheel in the company? Roddy Piper. B- prior to Roddy Piper. Can you even think of a heel? Because everyone prior to them was either was either a uh, jobber for Backlund or San Martino.
0: Superstar Billy
1: Graham I'm comes to mind? Graham or Sheik. Okay, they, okay. There was never anyone truly... Like, he innovated the new the heel. Okay, but, yes. What yes. the heel is today is what Roddy Piper... So I was, was I was going to give 1985 to Roddy
0: Piper. Which is funny because he spent more of his career as a babyface, yet people remember him as that, this amazing that, heel. that
1: That heel room was amazing. Exactly. So if I give... In my in my world, Roddy Piper would be given 1985, and Hogan gets 1986. Actually, this is the way that I would contest it. Okay, and we're, we're already
0: discussing, this. So we're not even in the 1990s yet. And this is first of all the 30 years of WrestleMania era I mean, from WrestleMania one to WrestleMania 30. 1985, I would give to Roddy Piper. WrestleMania two, 1986, I would give to Andre the Giant. WrestleMania two, one that uh, didn't he win the challenge or oh, what was it?
1: wasn't the Body Slam Challenge? Yeah. That was WrestleMania 1. He
0: won the Battle Royal WrestleMania 2, though. Okay. So I would give that year to Andre the Giant So WrestleMania 3 when he slammed Andre would go to Hulk Hogan. So
1: 1987, Hulk Hogan. Okay. 1988, did we give that to Macho Man? Was that Randy Savage?
0: I said it was... Yeah, I would give 1988 to Macho Man because he was WWE champion for almost all of that year. Mm -hmm. You said 1989 because he faced Hulk Hogan at that year's WrestleMania.
1: But the fact that he held the title for that for that year would give him the year of 1988. 1989, I believe, was one of the tougher years. We couldn't think of
0: (sighs) what really stood out in 1989. I'm trying to think of the WrestleMania five card though.
1: It was it was the uh, superpowers or the mega powers colliding.
0: Yes. Um. Sergeant Slaughter, maybe. I'm trying to think of what else. What else Half happened eight, in
1: 1989? All right. Well, can someone can tweet us when they hear this and tell us who they think the 1989 Superstar of the Year really was?
0: Well, I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to look up WrestleMania Five card and look down the card real quick and see if any real superstar stood out yep. as being the breakout star or like headlining star of that year. That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think because WrestleMania Five doesn't come to mind as one of the best WrestleManias of all time, but um, let me see, maybe Ted DiBiase, Jim Duggan, uh, 88. Didn't, didn't he win the Royal Rumble that year? Was that in
1: 1988 the- he did.
0: 1988, okay. So maybe in 89 it would be Savage. Um, Red Rooster, fucking Bobby Heenan, what the hell. Rick Rue defeated the Ultimate Warrior for the Intercontinental Championship. Jake Roberts. Oh, Jake Roberts defeated... Oh. Jake, Jake Roberts defeated Andre the Giants. I, Maybe Jake Roberts. I like
1: Jake Roberts for 1989.
0: Okay. I'll give Jake Roberts to 89. And then
1: don't worry, guys. So The 80s were the hard part because it was, it was really a Hogan era. Yeah, it really but, was. Uh, we're the 90s gets a lot easier because 1990 we had... Ultimate War- Warrior. Warrior. 1991 we had The Undertaker. Undertaker, yes. 1992 we had... I would have said... Who did we say for 1992? What... We didn't Yokozuna, say, maybe. Did we say Yokozuna? It was 1992. WrestleMania eight. Eight. Oh, we
0: said Ric Flair. Ric Flair. Ric Flair. Okay. Because he won the WWE title that year. for yep. Savage at WrestleMania. It didn't last long, but it right. was his year. That was the only year that he was in WWE yeah, before and he, came and so he came back. Until he came
1: back. 1993, we had Lex Luger. Yes. 1994, we had Bret Hart. Yep. This is. I think this is our only double. We can, uh... No,
0: we have another double, but I'll talk about that in a minute. Alright,
1: 95, 96, we said Shawn Michaels.
0: 95, I would absolutely give to Shawn Michaels. 90... 96, though. I mean, you have... 96 is when he won the title. Yeah,
1: WrestleMania 12.
0: What about... No, no, I'm sorry. This is not a double. 95... Was diesel. Did we have 95? Yeah, diesel? 95 was a year of diesel when he. Terrible business year for the WWE, yeah. but diesel was champion all year round. All right. So 95 is diesel. 96 uh, is Shawn, Shawn Michaels. 97?
1: 97. 97,
0: you almost gave the Michaels as well. 97, I was give, I would give to Austin. He broke you out know, that, that year. That
1: conflicts with what I said in, in my tweet where I said 1998 was Austin's year. I, oh, I 97
0: was Bret Hart, turned heel, went into. I yet you
1: had the screw job. We, potentially mankind. 97? 97. That's, when he, that's when he broke out, in my OK. Opinion. Did
0: we give a year to Bret Hart, then? 94 was Bret Hart's Oh, we did? Okay, then i
1: mind then. Uh, I'd say 97, Mankind. Okay, 97, <laughs> Mankind. Okay. 98, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yep. 99, The Rock. Yes. 2000, Triple H. Yep. 2001.
0: Kurt Angle. Dun, 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 dun,
1: dun, oh, my God, back. Welcome back. Um, Come back. Um, Come back. Um, Come back. N- uh, 2002, we the had... Rock. Lesnar. they Beast Incarnate. That's the only double That's the that I only would put. double, and yeah. you're going to hear why later. Now, um, <laughs> 2003, we had... Who did we ever? for I, I want to say Goldberg.
0: Goldberg, yes. Goldberg.
1: Goldberg. Uh, 2004, we had the only faction on the list. Evolution is Evol- a mystery. Evolution. 2005. I want to try to give that
0: year to a certain superstar, though. If anything, I'll give it to Benoit. He I won mean, the Royal Rumble, World Champion, held it until two thousand and four. I'm sorry, held it until SummerSlam, lost man.
1: SummerSlam. I would give
0: it to. I would give it to Benoit.
1: And and all right, we'll give it to Chris Benoit. We're not allowed to say either him or Randy
0: Orton. Yeah, Because uh, okay. Randy
1: Orton didn't have a year. Remember, we we took Randy Orton's year away from him. Uh, we t- can't say Benoit. yeah. Two thousand and five was Batista. Two thousand and six was I think John Cena. Did, we gave no. We gave it to Edge. We gave it to Edge. 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 Two thousand and seven. Was John Cena? Yep, uh, champion
0: all year round.
1: 2008. Oh, Jericho. Chris Jericho, Y2J, his best amazing, heel run, amazing heel run. I
0: don't want to see that Jericho back uh, now.
1: Two, I love babyface Jericho, but come on. 2009. Jeff Hardy. Jeff so Hardy. Over. Yes. 2010, we had Wade Barrett. Wade, oh, the
0: next. No, I'm, either Wade Barrett. Or, I would say the Miz, the Miz, uh, the Nexus died had, to death at SummerSlam. You had,
1: you had the Miz. I I uh, threw Kane in the hat. Yes, Kane had a great year.
0: Here's the me. thing with the Nexus and uh, and Kane. They had a better latter half of 2010. The Miz year round, two time U.S. champion, Money in the Bank winner, won at WrestleMania. Um, what else did he won the WWE Championship okay. in November? So uh, I would say year
1: round the, the Miz 2011. Uh, this kind.
0: Wait, you almost oh,
1: said CM Punk. No, no, no. I'm sorry, I forgot. I forgot. Get out of here. Get out I thought, of here. I thought you were gonna say CM Punk. It was Del Rio. It yes. was Del Rio. Royal I, I spoke when I was prefacing this entire segment. <laughs> uh, 2011 was Del Rio. It was not CM Punk. 2012 was CM. We Punk. gave to CM. I know, Punk. know that 2011
0: was the year of CM Punk. You know when he broke out. Yep.
1: But I would say that was like one
0: or two months, though, before they killed it off that fall. Mm-hmm. And I know he won the WWE title in November, but he was champion for the entire calendar year. Every single
1: day of 2012 saw CM Punk as champion.
0: So, absolutely, 2012. And his epic heel term. Yeah. His awesome matches with Daniel Bryan yeah. and John Cena, CM
1: Punk. CM Punk in 2012. 2013, we gave to Daniel yes. Bryan. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. That, that was actually the slammy uh, superstar of the year. Yes, which uh,
0: was actually legitimate this time yeah, around.
1: And John Cena, when John Cena won 2012, was just the biggest what joke. What,
0: absolute him. joke. And then he gave it to Ric Flair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like he, did, like he did the big gold belt a couple of weeks ago. And
1: 2014, Brock Lesnar. Yep, we gave it to him because of his WrestleMania victory, as I said. And he's now a four-time world champion. And he's looking to carry the strap. In 2015... If you don't
0: want to do repeats, I would give it to right now. It depends what happens in 2015. I would give it to any member of the The Shield. Shield. I don't know if every member... If if we're talking particular here, like specifics, it's really hard to say because Roman Reigns broke the record at Royal Rumble.
1: But I mean, I think that their time is coming up and that they'll have their own years soon to come. When they really break out, like really break out.
0: And win their first world championships. And with Seth Rollins, if he wins the world title later this year, if he cashes in, which I don't think he will or should, if he does, though, I think it could be his year. He
1: would claim the year. Yes.
0: Join the authority. I did actually some research. Seth, Seth Rollins had not lost a match via pinfall since his matchup with CM Punk in the December 30th edition of Monday Night Raw.
1: Wow. So he hasn't lost it all this year.
0: The only loss that he had gotten before until that matchup, or since that matchup, was against Heath Slater a couple of weeks ago. There
1: you go. That
0: was the only matchup he's lost this year. Now he's losing to Los Matadores. Yep. Heath Slater, that is, not Seth Rollins. <laughs> but that's going to do it. Awesome. Let's see. Let's see if we can run it down real quick. All
1: right, really, really quick. 85, Piper, 86. We'll, we'll go back and forth All right, here. all right, 85. Roddy Piper. 86. All right, on to the Giant. 87, Hulk Hogan. Uh, 88.
0: Who do we Oh, uh... A- uh, 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 uh was, was it Jake? 88 was... Oh, no, I think it
1: was Randy. 88 was Savage. 89
0: was...
1: 89 was... <laughs> <laughs> messing
0: up here. What the fuck oh is 89? Oh, Jake, this Nick Roberts. Jake,
1: 90. Warrior, 91. Taker, 92. You're messing me up here. 92, Zura. Rick Flair. No, 92 was Rick Flair. 93. 93, Alex Luger. 94. Bret Hart. 95. Diesel. 96. Shawn Michaels. 97. Mankind. Mankind. 98. Stone Cold Steve Austin. 99. Barack. 2000. Triple H. 2001. Kurt Angle. 2002. Brock Lesnar. 2003. Ooh, who do we say for all three? Goldberg. Goldberg.
0: 2004. Ooh, Randy Orton or Chris Benoit. Benoit, Benoit. 2005. Batista. 2006. John
1: Cena. Edge! Edge. Edge. The Miz. 2007. John Cena. 2008. Chris Jericho. 2009. Jeff Hardy. 2010. The Miz. 2011. Herbert Rio. 2012. CM Punk. 2013. Daniel Bryan. And
0: 2014. Brock Lesnar. Subject friends. to change. Subject to change.
1: There you
0: have it. 30 of the best superstars of all time, with Miz being number 30 for before anyone ever says <laughs> oh, it, and Del Rio God. maybe being 29. Lex Luger's 29. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Make an article out of that, folks. Beautiful go. list right there. Enough for discussion as well. Tweet us on Twitter if you want to rival that list, at WrestleRant, at Hill by Design. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of WrestleRant Radio, the final episode you'll hear at Heal by Design on here live. Hopefully we can have you on over the phone one of these weeks. That would be awesome. But uh, an awesome follow-up interview. Our four-part interview, if you want to include the last two parts from last month. But um, with that being said, a lot of great discussion. We discussed pretty much everything, all the talking points, a few things here and there we didn't get to, but we pretty much covered it all. Mm -hmm. Um, But with that being said, John, thanks for being on the show. I am.
1: Thank you for having me. It was a great four-parter.
0: Absolutely. We've been sitting here for the last 12 hours watching the WWE Network, one of the most shitty episodes of Raw I've ever seen in my life, and talking right here on Russell Rant Radio for you folks. So, much like every episode, we've had John on. It's time for the cheap plugs. Cheap plug time. John, go right ahead.
1: All right, you guys can follow me on the Twitter at HealByDesign. That's at HealByDesign. And for those of you who haven't read my new column, John's Jargon, you can go to next at or at sbchive.blogspot.com to read my hit article, John's Jargon. I put a lot of work in it, so if you could please give it a read, that would be much appreciated.
0: And by this point in time, his newest article, The Longevity of Pay-Per-Views, is up by this point in time. This episode's going to be up on September 2nd. Um, so he's working on it as we speak, at, literally as I'm talking, he's writing, it. actually I'm lying, he's, he has a cereal bowl in his hand right now, he's about to walk away. But that, being, <laughs> that being said, said need
1: some
0: cereal. he needs a cereal with his Just Bring t T-shirt on, he's about to go lay at the Smackdown and find out what the on, mom is on, cooking on the, on in the, the co- kitchen.
1: On the Cocoa <laughs> Krispies, i laying the
0: Smackdown. He's laying the Smackdown on the Cooked Krispies, so that being said... Thanks, folks, for listening to WrestleRant Radio this week. We will have at design John Nichols on a future episode, whether it be over the phone, in person. Hopefully we can catch up for a Survivor Series, hopefully which is not a shitty show again Um, this November and a couple months away. But that's going to do it at WrestleRant at WrestleRant on the Twitter, at design. We just had our baby on Twitter. Um, At WrestleRant for me.
1: (laughs) Oh, or
0: rant by Design Rant by Design At Heel by Design on the Twitter You can follow John at WrestleRant You can follow me That's going to do it next year your You can find John's jargon, many more articles In every new episode of WrestleRant Radio We'll catch you next week folks For John Nichols, on Graham, Jason Matthews And we'll see you then